This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Jong-un, aliens, COVID. What, what do you want to talk about? How are you doing? I forgot about Kim Jong-un. Is he actually dead or is that just a rumor? Oh, we still don't know. I've been following. It's crazy. The secrecy. Uh, he could just be, uh, you know, self-isolating because a bodyguard got COVID. He could have been injured in the last uh, uh, arms test they did. Uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of rumors. He could be fine. He could be done for. I don't know. And then aliens. I mean, of all the time, any other time they release UFO footage, people would be going crazy. And now it's just like an afterthought. It's just they, like went all day before I even brought it up to my wife. It, it's, it's, it's nuts. But apparently that is, uh, you saw that footage too, right? I saw that they released it. You know, it's weird. I should be into UFOs. Like I love space. I love like the solar system, galaxies. I love the scale of it, like the size of like the really large stars. I'm like super into that stuff, but I'm just not that into UFOs. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, well, apparently the, the nation's not as excited as I expected to, but um, I, this has been released earlier. It was a, something like it with the Navy, and now they're just confirming it, and former generals are like, oh, this is just the, you know, the beginning. They should release all of it. We have a lot of work to do, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. It could be kind of crazy. Apparently, they followed something for miles, and they could never get closer to it, and it was like 120 knots uh, against the wind, and I don't know. It seems pretty, pretty obvious that there's uh, legit UFOs out there. Nice. All right. What could go wrong? Yeah, I know. So what else is going on with you? How's the family? How's uh, any other thoughts on, on, on life situation, economy? Uh, it's weird. It's like things are really good for me personally. Like I feel healthy, knock on wood. Uh, I'm getting a lot of sun and I'm eating well. I think I've probably either maintained my weight or lost some weight during this. I've been fasting a lot during the day and then, you know, everything's pretty much home cooked. We take out a couple times a week now, but just for eating so healthy and living so healthy. And, you know, there's some spats. We get into arguments, uh, of course. I told you with my uh, landlady, she actually offered us a discount on the rent and gave us some of our deposit back because we, re- we requested it uh, when our lease came up. So apparently me uh, giving her a piece of my mind like the uh, mentally ill guy in Ozark did to the lawyer was no big deal. His, his was, I don't want to spoil anything, but he had a, it was higher stakes in his case, apparently. So... <laughs> Um, I like the opening scene when he's just talking to that like cab driver or, or Uber driver who doesn't even know him, and he just goes on that three four minute diatribe. Dude, and it's I, just, I had friends who went manic and like got off their meds, and like that was pretty realistic. That's to me. Was, yeah, like, I, my friend was like came, drove to my dorm uh, at Amherst, and he was like picked up my guitar and started like rocking out on it, like imagining he was rocking out and breaking all the strings. Like you hear that? You hear that? He's like, I just talked to you telepathically. I was like, no, I didn't hear that. I don't get. I didn't get it. He's like, yeah, those dudes outside. Yeah, don't worry about it. They're cool. Don't worry about it. He's like going crazy, and 
he thought he was Jimi Hendrix. He was just like breaking all my guitar strings, Man. rocking out. I mean, he was insane. But yeah. uh, so I totally, I've seen him, I saw him many times. Yeah, I think that's the penultimate episode. That's how you open a television show, though. He just talks three, four minutes of nonsense to a stranger and then says, I'm having a good day, sir. How, how about yourself? You so, know, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't yeah. love that as much as the real, there were a few moments of real talk in Ozark. There was, I don't want to spoil, I don't think I'm spoiling it, but him and the lawyer, that was some real talk right in front of her kid. Some real talk. <laughs> and then the real talk between Marty and Wendy at the therapist place. That was some real talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That to me, that's like that's a satisfying argument. And then the uh, one between Ruth and Wendy in the office was pretty damn satisfying because this real, you know, it's like saying the real thing that's actually true that is like needs to be said. To me, that was like very cathartic because that's how I feel about life. You know, it's just like I feel like everybody's always holding back because you know we we just can't tell the the truth and. We have these almost like religions built around not telling people what's really up and this propaganda that softens everything. And how, what, a, what a catharsis to just let it loose and be like, look, this is bullshit, man. You know, like my landlady came up and she was like, can you come on? She had this sour look of like how disappointed she was that we were disturbing her. And I was just like, I'm sick of your attitude. And I just like, let loose. It felt good. You know, Heather was pissed, but now uh, she realizes that I was correct, that it was no big deal. And it was it was for a just nice. cause. Well done, well done. And yeah, Ozark, very entertaining show. I thought it would lose steam by season three just because it's so over the top. But uh, certainly entertaining and some good dialogue for sure. I love the therapist scenes are really. It, it was uneven. Like there was some stupid stuff in there that I didn't like. Definitely, right? but yeah. but um, those scenes really the payoff was big in some of those scenes. So I yeah. I liked it. Definitely. Yeah. So what else is going on, man? What else? What else? I don't know if you know. Who, I probably mentioned this before, but you know who Wim Hof is. I don't think so. He's he's the Iceman. So he's this dude who swims in in Antarctica, not with a wetsuit on. Yes, you did mention this person. I didn't recognize the name, though. Yes, like you under the ice. Like they cut a yeah. big hole in the ice, and he dives in just in his bathing suit and stays under there for a few minutes, swims around. I mean, it's like negative whatever. It's, it's you know, this is no joke. And he's like 60 years old now. But he does. I'm such a nutless monkey. I'm getting solar panels installed in my house right now because it's too cold for me to swim. And it's like it's it was 88 degrees outside of my house. So. uh, So, yeah, you're talking to the you're going the the wrong way. I mean, solar panels are great. I mean, you want to be a self. I mean, honestly, I want to buy like a farm somewhere in the Portuguese countryside, buy a generator and solar panels and just be self self self-sufficient for the apocalypse. Get some chickens and some goats and like. You know, grow some stuff and just be sure. self, yeah. you know, self-sufficient completely. My, my daughter loves swimming, and obviously, right now, just looking for any way to, to entertain kids when you can't leave the house. So, and supposedly, this adds a month, you know, a month before and a month later, they'd be able to swim. So, uh, well, your yeah, kids so will swim. Your kids will go in. Exhaustion. Yeah. So she is mad crazy. Exactly. Just for me to join, though, I need the uh, the solar panel help. But so, anyway, continue. So anyway, so this dude, you know, so he has these breathing techniques. It's pretty simple. There's a free video on his site. And so I do them with Sasha sometimes, I do them myself sometimes. It's very simple stuff. It's like a lot of like deep, quick breathing and then holds for like a minute and a half. And then you immerse yourself in cold. So we put the bathing suits on, filled the bath, just all cold, just completely cold, and took turns and timed each other how long we could stay. And, you know, all cold, I, I looked it up, like what like an all cold is not in like a freezing winter area, but like, you know, in just like a mild place we use all cold. It's like 50 degrees low 50s 50 ish and you know 50s cold like if you get into a pool that's 65 which is probably what your pool is unheated you know in april uh it feels freezing but that's 65 this is 50 this is all cold only yeah. 
for sure. And so, you know, I would get in like to my, you know, sit in the, in the bath for two minutes, then get my shoulders under for three more minutes and get out. And I'd be doing these deep breaths, you know, when I was in there just to like calm myself down and not freak out. And it's good, man. It's really, uh, it's really good for your system. You know, it stimulates your whole system. You feel a lot better. Sasha did it no problem the first couple of times, but now she's like, for some reason doesn't want to do it. So I did it yesterday by myself. And, yeah, I know. Um, and it's also, you shouldn't, like, you don't need to heat it. Like, just let the summer heat be warm in the summer. Just don't be such a nutless monkey. Go in, dive in, swim a length underwater. You'll, it's fine, dude. It's fine. Just, just breathe. Do the, go to, and do the breathing exercises on that site. It's like 11 minutes. And then dive in. Yeah, I know Adam Kroll always talks about how he jumps. He had some specialists on that convinced him. And ever since he jumps in his cold pool every single morning, it's like 6 or 7 a.m. It's how he starts every day. And I know cold showers show benefits. I know it's a great way to but wake you better. up. If for no other shower, reason, you, you like just stand to, there. The cold shower, you got to like stand right. and freeze. The pool, yeah. Diving in the pool, like you're in it. You know, there's nothing you do. I remember one time uh, when I was studying for the bar exam in my early 20s uh, with a bunch of friends. We rented this house and there was a pool and it was unheated and at like 9 a.m was pretty chilly and even though it was summer and i remember having the worst hangover and then just like diving in and swimming the length underwater and emerging and be like ah like that killed like 75 percent of the hangover <laughs> and i think gasping like it's oxygen to your brain quicker or whatever but uh, anyway interesting so yeah that's yeah okay throw another one on there i'm like i'm all for the uh the health benefits, and thanks to some listeners who suggested some some good grass-fed beef jerky to order on the internet. Chomps, I believe, was the, a couple wrecks. So I found some other good places to get clean meat. So thanks to that. Um, yeah, and intermittent fasting is still going well. I found some side benefits I didn't expect. Um, that uh, yeah, I just actually enjoy the, the time frame with food. And yeah, so I'm all all for these these health wrecks list. That's another one to throw on. I should be jumping in my 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 cold pool then more. But we're bearing the lead, obviously. And the lead is uh, Bitcoin right now is around eighty six fifty. Oh man, I know. Just recently, it's been jumping today. Yeah, like the last twelve hours. I know. I've been reading some good things with the happening coming up. Yeah. And what, what? How many days is it now? Like, a what, couple 12? of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the FOMO is going to be sick. Some yeah. of the selling pressure of the miners <laughs> is going to be cut in half. And so when there's people buying, there's no going to be no one going to be selling. Oof, man, the FOMO is going to be ill. You think it was yeah. crazy in two thousand seventeen? Wait till we were in a full-on depression and they're printing money like nobody's business. Holy crap. Was it, was it the last one a non-event, though, price-wise? The last what? The happening. No, it was a huge event. It, it, wasn't, it took like, you know, it was delayed like six months. Delayed, yeah, exactly. Because what happens is, yeah. you know, so each miner, I probably explained this, but each miner mines the Bitcoin and has to pay for the electricity and he gets his reward, but then he has to sell it for dollars and then pay off his costs. And so this is a thing. So every 10 minutes, there's a new block and a new reward um, and each miner has to sell it off. And, and so there's this selling pressure. So it gets cut in half. But, okay, like he's just one dude selling, you know, 12 Bitcoins, or now it's going to be six Bitcoins. So there'll be six fewer Bitcoins on the market when the happening happens that hour than there would have been. There would have been 12 and a half. There'll be six and a quarter. Okay, so six and a quarter Bitcoins on the market. That's not, that's like a tiny part of the overall market. So the day it happens, it's not going to like suddenly go to the sky because there's no supply of Bitcoin. But every 10 minutes, there's six and a quarter fewer Bitcoins available for sale, basically. It's not even that because they probably keep some of it or maybe they sell all of it. I don't know. But over time, right, that starts to add up six and a quarter, six and a quarter. And we're talking about, you know, almost 10,000 a pop. You're talking about 65,000 of that stuff is not available anymore. It's just 
So you start adding each block every 10 minutes around the clock. And after a month or two or three or four, suddenly there's a lot of buyers still there and the sellers, you know, the amount for sale gets less and less. And that's when it pops. So there's some kind of a delay is a lag. Yeah. The happening happens, but it takes a little while for all the lack of supply to sort of build up in the system. You know, it's not like right away that tiny amount of lack of supply is going to boost the price that much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I've been reading about it and I still don't love the storage. Uh, I still don't, you know, feel super safe, but man, I've been arguing with my wife to try and buy more and more. And I saw some crazy projections for 2023 that just get me so excited. Stock to flow plan B that did plan B. Yeah. All models are wrong, right? I mean, all models are wrong. Some are useful. That's the motto. So this thing has been really uh, well uh, co-integrated, which I guess is much stronger than correlation, though I'm not a stats guy, so I don't really know. But apparently it's checked out, and they can put gold and silver in there, and it plots very similarly with Bitcoin in terms of stock-to-flow. Stock-to-flow is how much exists and how much is mined every year. So you know things like cash can be printed infinitely. Like there's <laughs> The stock-to-flow is, is, is you know, I mean, it's zero, basically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've been, you've been on this for a while and, uh, I, yeah, I've, yeah, everything I read is pretty much is convincing me. And, uh, yeah, very recently, uh, the last 24 hours have been good, good, good news for, uh, especially and by the way, short term, nobody knows I'm bullish, but nobody knows. Don't, don't think, Oh, I'm going to get rich. And then a month from now, you know, loses two grand. And you're like, why'd you tell me you do your own research? I personally am bullish. My first big, decent sized purchase first uh, was uh, when it was at what fifteen grand. Was that its height? Grand. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so don't listen to me. if you're literally do not listen to anyone but me because my first and very and decent sized purchase for me at least was at the height. So okay. I'm the last person you should be asking. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, since you know, everyone little- says in two years, I'm like, damn, you got in at fifteen. You're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope so because I've gotten in since uh, as well. Yeah. Um, all right. What uh? What else you uh? You want to talk more um? More COVID, more economy, more you getting in a uh, Twitter spats? We can talk about all that stuff. Uh, the COVID stuff. I mean, it's just nothing to talk about. I mean, there's so many different things. I'm not sure what's going on. I I feel like again. I, I think there's something fishy, but we covered it. I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like it's a couple of things. It's a couple of things. I might just roll please. It's antibody tests are apparently available just widely now, even in my town. But I've just read so much stuff that uh, just it's worthless right now. Like it's just the, the test is just not right. uh, reliable at all. It's and believe me, I want it. Even if you've I'm got it, can you get it again? Yeah. It's just it, to me. And there's different strains of it. You know how many strains are immune to if you've had it. It's just. It's not even, it's like so nebulous that it's just, I can't even get into it. But I will tell you, this is, this is my COVID take, which is more of an economic take, which is that because it's so nebulous, and I really thought by end of April we would have a handle on this and like what was going on. But, you know, Heather and I were talking about going back to LA for the summer, like we do, we have tickets and everything. And we're like, we're not going back this summer because where would we stay? Well, our house swap, which was a sweet deal and really nice house. They're no longer coming to Portugal, so we can't swap with them. Heather's mom's house is available. It's not the right place for all of us. It's very crowded and uncomfortable for all of us for more than a week. And it's a nice house, but it's, it's not four people in it. Secondly, uh, if we're there, like, are we going to see the cousins and other people and friends or not? Because if we're not, why the hell are we traveling to L.A.? Like, that's the whole point is to see people. And if there's still sort of this, well, we don't know. If you have antibodies, lockdown, you know, who knows what it's going to be? Nobody can plan travel 
because they can't, I don't want to lock down in, in Heather's mom's house rather than my comfortable house in Lisbon where I have all my stuff and everything set up. So, and the airplane, the whole thing, it's just, it's just, we're probably not doing yeah. it. So yeah. everybody's having the same conversation about summer plans, you know, like, eh, I don't know. They're all waiting, but you, things need to be planned and they're not going to be planned. Like a lot of people are canceling things in the fall because they're like, sorry, we can't plan this. It's, we just can't commit to it. So think about this. So no tourists are really coming to Lisbon right now and probably won't for the foreseeable future. Well, Lisbon has been like a tourist boom for the last six years. And around Caixa de Sodre, which is the train station in sort of the old part of town where we used to live, there, there, there's like 60 restaurants that have opened up in the last few years, like 60. And it's all tourists and some expats, but mostly tourists. When you're a tourist and you're in a city, all you do is eat out. Yep. Nobody's going to eat there. Okay. It, those places are all going to close and they're slick. What are they currently doing? Takeout? Yeah, there's takeout. Like, you know, there's a couple like places in my neighborhood that are like neighborhood places where residents go and we get takeout and they're probably hurting, but they're making a little bit of money. Like, they're not dead. But I, I think those places where there's nobody taking out food from these tourist places because there's no tourists. All Airbnb, new uh, reconstructed apartments. It reminds me of New York in the 90s when I lived there. It's like there's a construction site on every block. Like there's buildings being refurbished. Everything was full go. There's been so much money put into this stuff, so much money put into all these restaurants. I mean, it's cheaper here than in the States, but still not cheap. And so all those people that had jobs at those restaurants are unemployed. All the, you know, all the waiters, you know, the guys who clean the restaurant, the chefs, the cooks, all unemployed. The owners of the restaurants are just lost their entire investment. The... The landlords that the restaurants paid rent to are not getting their rents. The banks that the landlords paid the mortgage to are not getting their mortgages. I mean, all those people who got paid salaries would go out to bars or go out to supermarkets, go out to whatever and shop and, and you know, use the economy and take Ubers and do whatever. None of that is happening. Maybe, you know, in three weeks, the, you know, everyone will say coast is clear and it won't come back and okay, fine, but... I think people are going to be very wary. There's going to be masks. There's going to be distancing. I don't think restaurants are going to be what they were for a long time. Oh, for sure. And to me, this is like we're in the first inning. Like the second inning is nobody can pay their rent. Nobody can collect rent. You know, nobody can uh, afford to do anything. There's already giant, you know, food lines in the U.S. There's cars lined up, you know, for miles for food. I mean, this is just, this is April. Wait till it's June. And now that landlords haven't gotten their rents for two months, the banks, you know, have to redo these mortgages for three months. You know, they can print money, but this is a very, very, you, know, you can't rebuild these restaurants. Once these things are shut down, you know, people move on. It's, it's not coming back. How about office buildings? You look at these giant office buildings in Manhattan, these 80-story buildings packed wall-to-wall with people. No one's going back to those. These are going to be ghost towns, those buildings. Well, especially when they realize how much easier and maybe even far more efficient it is to do a lot of that from home. What are they going to do with those buildings? The entirety of Manhattan, these giant 60, 70-story buildings filled with 50, 100 offices, 1,000 offices per floor. What is going to happen to those? The cubicle farms. What's going to happen to all those? You know, in in California, they're like suburban little, like, like drive off the highway and there's a little corporate park, you know, with a couple of trees and a couple of giant ugly glass buildings and, you know, everyone working there. What are they going to do with that space? They're just going to sit there and rot and have rats run through them? Yeah, I know. There's a million unknown questions right now like that. I don't know what is going to happen. And Costco, I 
think today just announced you can't enter the store without a mask. So the world's definitely going to be a different place for the foreseeable future, for sure. Um, and then Fau- Dr. Fauci's kind of giving mixed messages. It's first, it's like, it sounded like sports was going to come back. I was fired up for MLB. And now he's saying, maybe not. I don't know. California is going to be I don't a trust separate that issue there. I don't there. trust that dude one bit. Yeah, I don't I trust know. any of the establishment health people. I, I don't trust them. There's a lot of rumors, you know, I see journalists saying he's involved with Gates Foundation and he's got investment in the vaccine companies. And oh yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, again, like I, I really wish like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is like the only guy because he's like an outside the box journalist. He broke the Snowden story. He's like so legit. And if he got someone like Whitney Webb is one that I follow who is in Chile and she seems legit. She's American, lives in expat. But, you know, she has this like blog and like it's just not nobody like if you cite that, if you're like arguing with somebody, this is bullshit. Look what she posted. They'd be like, what the fuck blog is this? Like this is just some random blogger. I mean, why would I believe this? She's like rigorous and meticulous like Greenwald. But you need somebody with the balls of Greenwald. But and the credibility, uh, and to connect to some of these people, because there's so much shit, that, like, you know, oh, this is on Breitbart or some site that I don't trust, or, you know, it's on some, like, crazy conspiracy website. Maybe it's true, but, like, there's no way for me to look at that site and be like, oh, shit, this is legit. And then all the mainstream organs that everyone trusts won't touch anything that's not, you know, the company line. The Washington Post, New York Times is not going to report that Epstein was murdered. They just won't report that even though obviously he was. So, they, so you can't trust, they won't touch any of these stories. They won't, if I were a mainstream, if I were like running like the Boston Globe even or something with some credibility, I would be like, go through the conspiracy stories of the day and vet them yourself. You know what I mean? And, and like report this shit that nobody, none of the mainstream people are reporting. Some of them will be totally made up and crazy. Some of them, probably a lot of them are true. But it's impossible for like a, an ordinary person to know what's what. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. It is very impossible. I'm trying to find the right people to follow on Twitter. That's basically my best strategy as far as the as far as the media. If a person that you felt was like above reproach, no, no one's perfect, right? They make errors. But if a person like Greenwald was like reporting, like super um, valuable, ah, it would be like the holy grail. It would be like real stories. Mm -hmm. I just because because these stories that come up, I see through my Twitter. They're like Bill Gates, you know, killed all these people in India with his vaccines and. They kicked him out of it. It's like, did, did that happen? What's the exact story of that? You know, it's hard to know. And I, and I don't have time to track it all down. But it's like, I'd like to see some Greenwald-esque reporting on Bill Gates' vaccine push. I'd like to see someone like that go after the Epstein story. I mean, the Miami Herald did. I mean, obviously, they got that out, which they buried. And that, but now, you know, what about uh, this, the fake suicide? Like, you know, let's get into that. Put that in a mainstream, not mainstream, because they won't touch it again, but a beyond reproach, legit alternative outlet that even though the mainstream will say, oh, they're fake news or they're whatever, I could confidently cite it and be like, no, this is this actually, this is legit reporting. All right. Speaking of vaccine, I agree with you. Yes, that would be super valuable. Uh, but to piggyback your vaccines, uh, what, um, first of all, I think there was some good treat, uh, good news, positive news right before we started recording in that area. But um, I've never seen anyone talk about this. I saw someone like in a comment on Twitter. So I had to do some research myself. I don't know why no one's even saying it. But do you realize that the quickest the vaccine's ever been improved four is years. four years? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The mumps. I mean, okay. okay. You have seen that. I mean, that's, that's and, I don't even see that report. I mean, four years is the quickest ever. And, you know, the flu vaccine is shit. You take the, you take the flu vaccine and it's like 30% effective or something. Like it's the, the new strain that's mutated doesn't, isn't even covered by what you're taking. So... 
to me, like that's a real long shot, and it's something that's that's not going to be the solution. And if it is the solution, eventually, you know, we'll have already had to adapt way before then. Um, one other thing I just point out, I read a, there's a Newsweek uh, article about uh, the lab experiments in, in Wuhan and uh, gives both sides of the story. And it's interesting. And it presents a picture of how easy it would be just to have someone working there go home and give it to their family. That's that's it's not some crazy thing. I pictured some, you know, some leaking, some crazy thing. It could just be as simple as that, even in a, in a P4 lab or whatever. So, um, yeah, that Newsweek column. Um, yeah. Anything else uh, on your mind? I mean, in that area? I mean, it just made me think, like, people are in denial. They think, like, well, okay, man, you know, let's get these sports going and let's get back to where we were, like, six months ago. It'll be okay. But I really think you're going to be okay by going through, by making yourself robust health-wise and uh, figuring out the financial situation as best you can. It's very tricky. And, you know, health, finance, all that stuff, your family, your relationships – and realize, like, this is going to be some shit. There may be some unrest. There may be violence. I, I think that the scary thing is if New York turns into what it was when I was growing up in the 70s and in 80s in New York, where I got, like, mugged at knife point a few times. It wasn't that rough. I mean, it was rougher than, way rougher than it is now. Heather lived in uh, Buenos Aires for six years, and she said you couldn't wear, like, a gold watch on the street, even a decently nice watch, because it would get ripped off your hand. Like, you, it was just, this is, like, you know, 12 years ago in Buenos Aires, probably still like that. You were personally mugged at, at night point oh, multiple times? Oh, multiple times. I mean, it was like other kids. Like I was, you know, 11 and a couple of 13-year-olds pulled a knife and said, give me your money or whatever. You know, it wasn't yeah. like nobody like stabbed me or anything. But That's still. Yeah. But, the, but the point is that that was just New York in the 70s and 80s. It was like a rough place. I got punched in the face a couple of times on the street. No, it was like, it was just like that. But like in... Uh, in Buenos Aires, it was even a little more sketchy than that. But that's what happens like, in, when like, there's poverty and economic problems and there's just crime. So let's say New York, which is so... I mean, the, the people... I met uh, some kids, I won't say they are, but like, who I knew through family, friends, who they were, like, they, were, they were like went to the private schools that we went to and they were like 18, 19 and we were hanging out with them or 20. And they were very polite. You know, they were very respectful, much nicer than we were when we were that age. But I was thinking, like, these dudes are soft. Like they, like, they just lived in a very insulated world. Like, they just, you know, none of those dudes have ever probably been in a fist fight. None of those dudes have ever gotten in any trouble. Or, you know, like, none of those dudes ever, like, got blacked out and, you know, woke up in a, smashed into a fruit stand and got taken to a hospital like my friend on the street. Like, and these kids were, like, they were nice kids, okay? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But... There is going to be full blown panic when, if there's crime, if you know, if you go down the street, you're going to your ATM and someone punches you in the face and rips the shit out of your hands, people are going to be like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" I mean, nobody wants that. I don't want that. I don't want to have to fight on the street. I'm too old for that shit. But that's what a rough city's like. You know, you got to be careful. You got to watch your ass. You know, you got to be. You don't walk by yourself down a dark alley. You know, at two in the morning after leaving a bar. And if you do, you're like, you know, like you're taking a risk. So if that happens, which it probably will when there's 40% unemployment and people are desperate and people are, you know, getting wasted, they're on drugs. What I fear is nowadays there'll be surveillance. There'll be a camera at every single building and people will want it. They'll say, oh, thank you. Know, protect us. Right, right. We need to make sure it's safe. 
and they will start giving away uh, privacy and uh, personal space and rights left and right for this. Oh, no, no, no. I have my papers. I have my uh, COVID uh, vaccination with the uh, digital chip that says that I'm allowed to go here. Here it is, sir. Thank you so much, officer, because they, don't, they want to be safe. And that to me is like, that scares me, is that you're going to become like China or something where there's no crime, but it's, you've just traded like any sort of freedom for your, your safety. Meat is another issue. It's going to be a weird thing upcoming, maybe a shortage of that. And, you know, Trump ordered everyone to stay. Now the workers are saying they're not going to show up. So, uh, yeah, if you try to order it right now uh, online, it's uh, it's definitely a shortage. So that's uh, talking about trying to stay healthy. That's uh, that that could be a problem as well. So there's going to be a ton of things down the pike, you know, with all the the, the, the chain, um, the tertiary effects. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a definitely an uncertain time for sure. Definitely give us a lot of reasons to stay inside, not only to not, uh, to, to contact this disease, but you're, you're painting a, uh, you know, scarier future too. I mean, you know, I, I do think it's going to open up with, you know, some precautions, but it's not going to open up like it was, you know, you're still, you're not going to want to be the first person on the subway or on the airplane or, you know, the restaurants, like you're going to be like, let me just hang back and let other people who, are more confident about this than I am. Be the experiment. Yeah, think, exactly. Things will just open up slower and people that'll be, yeah, that didn't want to stay inside to begin with will go out and it'll just be, I will be more, yeah, it'll just be safer. And, uh, I don't know, it'll be different. And, um, do you think right. are you, are you worried about like a huge second wave? I mean, is, is, is that, I mean, I'm not worried mean? about it in the sense that I don't worry about what I can't control. Of course. Of course. And, and I, and I'm, just, I'm more worried. About, I'm not worried about the, the speculative stuff. I'm worried about the economic stuff. Cause I think that's happening. And I don't think that people are actually facing the reality of what that's going to be like, what it's going to be like, know, yeah. like, the, like the idea that like, you're going to have desperate people by the millions all around you. You know, there's going to be 40%, 30% unemployed and not able to pay rent and not able to feed their families. And that 1200 is not going to go very far. And the markets, you can't just keep giving away money. Eventually, that money is going to get worthless. So, you know, there, it's, it's going to be, I don't know what exactly it's going to be like, but I just don't think people are really coming to terms in general. But I think they're start, it's starting to seep in. And I feel like, you know, people are very anxious and angry on Twitter. They're very, you know, they're, their beliefs are much more delicate. And if you say something that triggers something, they're going to, you know, they have to shut it down because it's like, I, I just, I feel it. I feel like there's a rising tension. And I do think when the, when the shit goes down and we have this choice, um, you, you see all these apocalyptic movies like these, you know, Walking Dead or shows or apocalyptic movies and, you know, dark and... You're like, oh, yeah, the zombies, like, that's supernatural. But, you know, I was talking to Heather about it. She's like, yeah, it's allegory for, like, I think the zombies are, like, the people that have been brainwashed, the people that are just out of terror. They'll do anything. And I'm worried that the people who are brainwashed out of fear are going to give, try to give away everybody's civil liberties, try to institute a police state, try to uh, not let, you know, a couple of doctors that got shut down on YouTube talking about how this wasn't that serious. Maybe they're totally wrong. I don't... I didn't even watch the clip. I don't even know if I agree with them because I didn't watch the clip. I've seen so much contra- you know, contradictory stuff. I'm just not even, there's nobody that could persuade me but the logical argument right now almost one way or the other with this, like what, how serious it is. It smells fishy, but I just don't know. So I'm just being cautious for now until it doesn't make sense anymore. 
But they took that down because the information is too dangerous. And you have people who are like, yes, they should take that down. It's too dangerous. They shouldn't broadcast Trump's press conferences because there's misinformation. It's too dangerous. I mean, it is really, those are the zombies, in my opinion, the people who are like shutting down the whole, you know, they're literally just fear is just completely, uh, they'll sell out anything just to be protected. Yeah, I absolutely should have brought that up about that uh, the censorship yesterday with that video. Um, yeah, that was def- definitely something. It was interesting. I-, I watched. It was interesting what they had to say, and then yeah, and then it's just completely removed. It's, and then other people have pointed out to us on Twitter that uh, uh, what Google or Google Play or something removed. I don't know. All there's all kinds of censorship clearly going on with anything that doesn't fit uh, fit what they want. The to official hear. narrative. It's just it's it's crazy, and 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 the fact that like the WHO and the CDC have been wrong about everything and inept, is just makes it even worse. It's not like oh they're right and these crazy conspiracy people are saying all the stuff that's wrong. They kick zero hedge, right, right. you know, off of Twitter, and like a lot of the stuff is now just being reported as mainstream yeah. reporting. Yeah, no, totally. Um, okay, what do you want to talk more more of your Twitter beefs, sports? What do you what do you want to talk next? I mean, I've been posting some political stuff, mostly just because I think it's funny, you know, stuff about Biden. He can deny having any recollection of the, of the Tara Reid allegation and be telling the truth completely, even if it is true. Because his memory is a huge, his lack of memory is a huge asset, right? Like you ask someone on the witness stand, do you remember doing this? I'm like, absolutely not. I don't remember it. Plausible <laughs> so, deniability, right? Yeah, totally, because he doesn't remember. So it could have, you know, even if it happened, he wouldn't remember. Um, so, that, you know, I was just making jokes and people... Uh, we're getting pissed, and I, this, this is so stupid. I, I don't even know if it's worth getting into. But an industry guy, you can look up my feed if you want to go on. If this weren't the Roto Wire podcast, I'd probably name the dude. I just feel kind of embarrassed for him. It's not like it's not like he did anything that bad. I, I tweet I tweeted something about utilitarianism, which is to me, you know, we've talked about on the podcast that the idea that the greater good merits, you know, whatever means necessary to get there. And Game of Thrones did a pretty good job demonstrating that when Khaleesi was like. I must rule. And then all of a sudden she started lighting people on fire who didn't submit to her. And, you know, after conquering King's Landing, just basically killed everybody in it for no reason. You, you winning is not the, uh, it, it doesn't justify any means possible. So you're no longer the good guy if, if that's what you're doing. So I think utilitarianism is totally morally bankrupt. And I was just posting on that uh, with respect to the Tara Reid allegation because you have these, you know, Me Too, uh, Believe Women Democrats totally dismissing her. And it's obvious, you know, everyone's transparently obvious that they're only doing that because it's their guy that's now being accused rather than Kavanaugh. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But I said, you know, it, it's utilitarianism. Like, they don't really have a principle of me too or believe women. That's just some bullshit they invoke when it serves them, when it's, you know, to go get the other guy, the team bad, the guy in team bad. They, they invoke the principle. And then when it affects them, they it's no longer expedient. So that's, there's no principle. That's just something they use. They don't have principles. They don't have a code. They don't have morals. They're just sort of like, we want Trump to lose. So this woman needs to be dismissed, period. Like, well, what about me too? What about all those things you said? Oh, come on. That was just some shit we said to go get Kavanaugh. It's not like a legitimate principle. It's not like you're talking to somebody that actually has like a a legitimate code. Um, So I was tweeting about that. uh, And this guy was basically like, yeah, I agree with that. But anybody who... Uh, thinks that there's Trump derangement syndrome and stands for chloroquine loses, you know, doesn't have any credibility. Sorry. And I tried to deflect it nicely. I always, I always give one chance, you know, so I was like, eh. I was like, uh, I don't stand for shit. 
and I said, don't libel me. And, you know, I'm just calling it as I see it. You know, I, 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 however imperfectly, I'm just, you know, stating the facts as I see them. And then I thought that was the end of it because I thought that was, you know, that's sort of a way to kind of cool it down. He posts, like, honestly, like, I felt like, embar- like embarrassed for the guy. I felt bad for him. But he posted this weird thing that said, he quoted my tweet that was just a reply to Ted Bell. It wasn't even like, it was just like an exchange where Ted Bell said something like, it was actually Matt Modica said something about, uh, I can't remember, and then Ted, about the virus, and then Ted Bell said, well, there's this other virus going around, uh, a certain derangement syndrome that's blah, blah, blah. And I said, the chloroquine has a much higher chance of curing the former, which is uh, coronavirus, than a reasoned argument has a chance with the latter, which is the Trump derangement syndrome. And he quotes that and goes, and then has this like other screen that says, tough scene. I was like, what? It's like, I don't know. It was just like embarrassing. Like, that's a stupid thing. I don't even know what that was. So I was like, dude, like, are you serious? I'm saying there's 0% chance that you're going to convince somebody who has Trump derangement syndrome of anything, you know, with respect to Trump, that's a factual dispute. 0%. Chloroquine has some chance of being helpful to coronavirus. That's all I'm saying. I'm not standing for it. I had to look up standing. Standing actually comes from uh, the Eminem song. You know that, you know, that song with the Nido thing? Well, Stan is like his stalker and, you know, ends up killing himself. Oh, that comes from that. Interesting. I think so. Yeah, I love that song. Urban, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's just the Dido riff that's actually good. He just inter- integrates it well. But so if I were standing for that, I would have had to have been very, you know, Clark Queen's the shit. You got to go. Get yeah. And well, the fact that even you brought it up in a hypothetical situation, too. Yeah. I mean, and it's a jo- it was a joke hypothetical. Right. And if you if you, you had any reading comprehension skills, you would see that I was just saying, as opposed to something that has zero possibility, a little possibility is a better chance. And just like trying to dunk on somebody that you don't know in a thread that was like a, a response to somebody else that you were not involved in, and they actually respond kind of, you know, I wasn't like nice, but I was polite. I wasn't like, the fuck is your problem? You know what I mean? I was just sort of like, okay. And then to like try to like gotcha me with some, it's, I, mean, I don't know. I just feel like that was embarrassing. Like I was like, Jesus. So. And you, uh, you just didn't respond, I'm guessing? No, I did. I, I I, I'm kidding. I, I know. <laughs> I, I explained to him his error, and I said, you tried to dunk on someone because they had a different, you know, and I called him a douchebag, and that was that. <laughs> I mean, he is. I mean, is a, dude is a douchebag. You're a lightning rod right now with controversy. You have other people jumping in as well, it seems like, recently. So, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I guess. Well, last yeah. week, last it's week there were some people. I, I don't think it's that I'm the lightning rod. I think that. I speak the truth as far as I see it. And of course I'm fallible. I'm a human being, but I, I'm not like, you know, I don't have some secret agenda. I just think this is true. I think this should be said. I don't think that people are, um, aware of it. I think there's a lot of brainwashing going on. So I, I want to say it. And I think people are on edge. And so their beliefs, the more people are on edge, the more dear to them, their beliefs are, you know, the more like if they see something that contradicts like let's say you think trump is the problem and that you know everything would be better if he just weren't president like we would get through this would be okay and you've been watching these networks and you get your uh news from mainstream sources and you've truly internalized that belief then if somebody's like shitting on biden or mocking him or refers to trump in ways that yeah there is derangement syndrome like there's people who are just insane about him i believe that that's, there's two things that can be true at once, right? That 
I don't defend Trump's bad actions whatsoever. I'm not a Trump supporter. And yet at the same time, there are many things that have been done unfairly to Trump and that are bullshit that are said about Trump, right? Those two things can both be true, that, that there's a total lie being told about Trump and it's ridiculous. And then there's also, I'm not a Trump supporter. You don't, people. Yes. Yes. There can be that third. Of course. Because, because, and, and it's so, it's sort of like, just because I can see, or at least I believe that I can see that these beliefs that you guys are spouting are such bullshit and you are so deluded and you have been completely hijacked. Your brains have been hijacked, you know, by an agenda, by a psyop, whatever you want to call it doesn't mean that there's not valid criticism of Trump or that Trump's a good guy or a good president. It's just you guys are like seriously, you know, like the zombies in one of those shows that are just, you're just, you've, you've been hijacked. You, you, you're on some sort of, I mean, the, the character of a zombie is like they have a, you know, some sort of program that they're on. They're just, they're just doing what they're told, you know, doing what their zombie biology tells them to do. They're not thinking humans. They're not capable of deviating from their, you know, I, I feel like these are zombies, and so I, I really feel like people's brains have been, you know, to different degrees, hijacked. And the thing is, it doesn't mean you're not good at fantasy sports or you're not good at math or you're not good at... It's not hijacked in that respect, right? You, you, could, be, you could believe in some crazy shit religiously and yet still be excellent at football or baseball or something. You know, it's not like it doesn't hijack everything. But in that respect, I feel like their brains have been hijacked. And so I feel like I want to say something, at least to the people that are still reachable, like, look, by the way, you guys kind of know this is bullshit, right? I guess because people have been programmed that, you know, now I'm a danger because if the good is getting rid of Trump and I'm saying something that, you know, might undermine that in some way because I'm saying to people, hey, you know, the shit that they're saying about him is actually bullshit, then, of course, um, that makes me the enemy. And so they're very, you know, it gets them angry. So they do like really dumb lashing out stuff that it's kind of embarrassing, and I probably think most of them are, like, that would be beneath them, like in a normal interaction, but there's this weird zombie programming that's kind of taken over. All right, before we finish with a little bit of sports, you're baiting me to talk about, it's, it's just a tradition with this podcast for me to brag about who follows me on Twitter, and Trump's doctor, you're talking about chloroquine, and Dr. Zelenko followed me on Twitter last week, and I, I did send you that email last week because I found that pretty funny. Um, Real man sport. uses that connection to get a prescription for himself, an experiment. <laughs> Need to, yes. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on the draft, uh, NFL draft real quick? Um, fantasy or, oh, or you're near the, give, give a shit about I, I, it. So, no, I, I care about the draft. I care about the Giants. I, um, I was happy with their draft. They definitely needed offensive line help badly. They got three linemen, first, third, and fifth rounds. I don't know if Andrew Thomas is better than the guy Werfs or some of the other guys that were taken uh, by the Jets. They got supposedly stud offensive linemen. They got arguably the best safety in the draft. They got another cornerback. It was, a, it was just like a competent, seemingly competent professional draft, at least positionally. So I was happy about it. They don't need a lot of skilled players. They need Daniel Jones to have you know, time to throw. Yeah, I'm glad to see Andrew Thomas there for, for Barkley. I expect a huge uh, year, whatever, whoever they got. I could have chosen whoever tackle right. there. 
Um, basically, main thing I want to bring up is uh, also before I forget, you brought up uh, XM. Um, I'm in a so I'm in a fantasy pros industry draft, uh, just a rookie draft right now. So, uh, and I was looking at my roster and on injured reserve, I have Alex Smith, and I just Googled him and tried to figure out his recovery. And uh, I believe you're going to have Stefania Bell on the XM. She might even be recording it We're right not, after. This. We are we are in like five minutes, but yeah. she's not on today. She's on next week. She was supposed to be on today. Okay, so she has like a 360 thing with him, and uh, so bring that up with her. It looks uh, very interesting, and oh, man, the scars on both his legs and like what it took to remove on his right leg to, to fix his left, it looks brutal, um, just catastrophic injury. Um, so I apparently have Jonathan Taylor ranked way higher than everyone, um, as everyone's let me know on, on Twitter. Um, I, I get it. That's a rookie running back that maybe the reps won't be there, all the fumbles and, but Marlon Mack, really? Like, I don't know. People, everyone's okay with CEH. Well, Naeem, Hine, Naeem Hines is the problem. I mean, it, it's that they have a third down back and Taylor's not a pass catcher. So you're losing, you know, you're hoping for Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb is what you're hoping for. And you might get that. And it's obviously a very good offensive line. So you really might get that. But you know, that's, I have Derrick Henry at, at nine and Nick Chubb at 11 among running backs now in full PPR. So, you know, I've got, I got, oh, sorry, that's not, no, that's sorry. That's not running backs. That's overall uh, among running backs. I have Chubb at 10 and Henry at eight and I have Taylor at 18. Where do you have him? Yeah. So 18 is not, so that's, I believe I looked, I noticed you're, you're at least made me feel comfortable because I'm like 11 right now. Um, I have even ahead of Aaron Jones who I'm, I'm down on. Um, maybe I need to do the, uh, the market thing you say with Peabody. So I need to bring that in the middle, you know, maybe make that more of the market. I think you probably are about the, in between me and the market right now. Cause I think you are aggressive, but I just see, I don't follow college up, but I, I do know people that I do trust follow college every year. And, um, all signs point to this guy. I mean, Mario Puig called him, you know, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Uh, I know he has the most yards per, per, from scrimmage in, in college history. Uh, his, if you look at his yards per route run, it definitely suggests possible future as a receiver. Look I get that even Hines, but look at Adrian's yeah. rookie year. He was really good, but he shared carries with Chester Taylor, I think. And he didn't get, you know, he, he didn't get, he they didn't just give him 300 carries, I think, the first year. I got to look at his uh, career numbers. But, you know, they were good, but they were probably more like well, okay. what you'd project for his rookie year. Okay. No, he had 1,341 yards and 12 touchdowns and 230. Yeah, that old rookie year. Okay, so he's just a, another. No, no, but back then, his next year, his sophomore year, he had 363 carries and 1,760 yards. So, like, you know, <laughs> as a rookie, he probably will share early down carries a little bit with Marlon Mack, and then he'll eventually, like, get more and more as, like, it's obvious how much better he is. Yeah, Marlon Mack ranked, uh, I think, 57 out of 58 qualified backs in pass protection pro football focus last year. Like, I don't understand. Like, he's a fifth-round pick or, or late fourth or whatever. Like, who cares? He's, he's, no, he's I not dropped him down to 48th. I mean, yeah, so, so he's got Naeem right. Hines there, too. Like, what's he going to do? Yeah, like Alan, uh, I'm going to mess with his last name, Solowski. What's his last name, Alan? He, he made a poll on um, Sezulowski. Oh, I'm going to mess with his last yeah. Sezulowski, thank you. He made a poll, like, who should be ranked higher in redraft? And it's like, 40% picked Mac. And I'm like, 40% in redraft? I, I have them ranked 35 picks apart, so I'm definitely off on the market I have, here. I have, but, a main, I, have ranked, I have them ranked 27 picks apart, so... Okay. All right. So, all right. So you're more so with me, but anyway, this will arguably the best offensive line who are getting a huge upgrade at quarterback. Maybe it's possible rivers is done because he threw the picks, but his YPA was still fine last year. His career on uh, in a dome YPA 8.0 Philip rivers. And by the way, those are all on the road too. So this could just be such a good situation. I get it. The Heinz is going to catch all the, all the balls there, but I don't know. My, my other argument would be every other back I have right behind him, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Devin, 
Singletary, uh, Melvin Gordon, I mean, talking Fournette, they all have equal question marks, like as far as touches or whatever you want to say. So I might move, I might move Taylor ahead of Gurley and Fournette because I have a hard time pulling the trigger well, on Fournette over absolutely Taylor. Absolutely insane if you would take Fournette over, right. over Taylor. I mean, I would I mean, bet, I I would bet anyone, any amount of money there well, Fournette, right now, okay. straight up with Jonathan Taylor, I will bet any amount okay. of money. Well, here's the thing, because like Fournette didn't get any competition. You know, like no, they didn't draft anybody. Like he's definitely the starter. He's, he catches, he caught like 66 passes last year. I mean, a full PPR. How's Jonathan Taylor going to compete if Fournette catches 60-plus passes? It's it's just- the, only argument, the only argument that I worry about is that they're playing for Trevor Lawrence, and they're letting Minshew go there, and there it is. Why not on the last year of his contract would they not just give him 400 touches? Now, that might be the smartest move, so I'm kind of worried about that. But I think equally as likely they just cut him before then. because or They're trying to trade him. They're unhappy they're with him. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to trade him. Nobody wants him. I know, but I, I want no part of him. I get, I get that volume is king, but when you get all the volume and you're the, the absolute worst, it's tough to, repeat, to ask bank on that repeating. Not if you're getting the catches. And he didn't get any touchdowns last year. He'll get more than that. What about Clyde Edwards? Hilaire, where do you have him? I have him tenth, right? Uh, sorry, I'm, ninth. Sorry, ninth. I have him ninth, I, even I, ahead. I'm fourteenth. I mean, I, I I'm pretty high on him too. But Damon Williams is going to get 150 carries, I think. You know, and yeah. I, I think well, that, that'd be the most of his career by far. If he does, <laughs> he's never had more than 80 before last year. He doesn't even have 300 in his entire career. He doesn't have 300 yeah, carries in his I career. Mean, now if, the Chiefs, if the Chiefs didn't draft a back, you would have given him 180 carries, Damon Williams. Oh, and I would have taken him, and I would have ranked him 12th as an RB one. Too. I mean, it's the best system by far. So and now Andy Reid loves. Andy Reid says you're not really worried about like his ability to get the carries. It's just he hasn't happened to have gotten the carries yet. That's that's correct, right? That that is a good way of proving my disproving my point there. Yes, but the rookie, obviously, uh, Andy Reid's called him a better version of Westbrook. I mean, they're so excited, and he doesn't need all the carries. That guy. I mean, if Graham Barfield, the NFL guy, just said he. Uh, He's the best route running back he's charted since McCaffrey, and I really like. He's one of the college guys that say I trust. So anyway, I'm, I'm really high on both the rookies, but apparently the the Taylor is the one that's that's crazy. I don't think the other one. I'm way off the market though. No, not too much. I mean, I have Josh Jacobs. I actually moved up Miles Sanders because Eagles didn't really give him much competition. Uh, Eckler. I- oh, that's yeah, thank you. That's my next thing to say. Yeah. Miles Sanders, please give me shit about drafting him in round yeah. six. Well, in you, the did, league you did it before the draft. You know, like it, yeah, that's called know. the foresight. That's called the for the gift of foresight. I have him tenth, by the way. Yes. So, um, but uh, boy, everyone was asleep at the wheel in legal league drafting the the rookie supplemental draft. Didn't go to like around eleven, and it turns out the the boy. What situations? The Chiefs and the Colts get backs. Yeah. So in this dynasty league, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went number one and I had the number two pick and it's a super flex draft. And I have Garoppolo and Ro- an aging Roethlisberger on my roster. Who do you take number two in a rookie draft? Super flex, super flex. How many teams? 12 Taylor. Okay. I did. All right. Okay. All right. And then you'll, so- get, a, you'll get a QB. Just pick up Cam Newton and wait till he signs somewhere. Okay. All right. Okay. Ooh, I'm glad you said that. Okay. Cause I, all right. Someone afterwards, like, is this, yeah. Okay. Then Burrow. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So you're a little bit more with me and not as crazy. I mean, also by the way, um, I get that Taylor's a lower floor. He's never done it in the fumbles. And he's a rookie, but facing the Texans, Jags and, and Titans in 38% of his games too. like Mike Clay projects the Colts with the easiest schedule in NFL. I don't know, man. I, I think Jonathan Taylor come August. He'll be like a consensus early second round fantasy picks. My prediction. Yeah, could be, could be. All right, man, I got to run because I got to jump on with Jeff and do the XM show. You got anything else before we uh, break? Good times, man. 